to start this off because I don't mean to offend anybody, but in case I do, I apologize now. Uh, this isn't a, a, um, a real big offensive thing, but I want to make sure that it's, if I did forget you, just wave your hand at me or something like that. But um, there's something that a few girls in our church have experienced this past year, and one is Shelby, Bailey, Haley, Rachel, Heather, Miranda, the other Haley, and Caitlin. What did they all experience this past year? They had a baby. It's amazing. It's amazing. This little thing that they had it is so precious, and they all look so funny. I'm, the one person I had in my mind as I, as I prepared part of this message, this first part here anyway, was Heather Haley. And uh, precious Heather. Uh, for the past, the past two months before she had Grayland, she walked around rather miserable. In the last two months, it wasn't everything. The decision wasn't based on the last two months because if it had been, she probably probably wouldn't have had a baby. Nobody would have a baby. But you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into having a child, from the room and the clothes and. And, uh, and then the mother adjusting to things as her, as her belly gets bigger and her, she gains weight. And, and don't take offense to this, anybody. But, but just things begin to change. And their world begins to change. But they know all of this. A woman knows every bit of this before she ever begins to Before she ever becomes pregnant. She knows things she's going to have to prepare for. She has to prepare her mind. has to prepare her heart. It's very true. Very true. Sad to say, I hate that it's true, but it's sad to say in America that you can wait until you're eight months and you say, man, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm, I'm not going through with this. And you can go have the baby uh, taken from the body and, and disposed of. But these girls didn't do that. They didn't quit because something happened that they knew what was going to happen, but because of their discomfort, they didn't quit. They knew that all the preparation was part of the process. And knew of preparedness. And now, well, let me ask you, did you, did you quit preparing uh, Haley after you had this baby, after she was here? Did everything change? Everything went back to normal? No. What forever changed? Everything. She had two daughters now, and she had one that was about four, and, and she's running around, or maybe five. She's running around doing everything she always did, but she has this other little uh, distraction, Graylin coming along, and, and she's requiring things. And you have to prepare and you have to plan the same way, but it's even more so now that you have two children. And if you ever had a child, you know it takes a lot of great preparation. If you haven't figured it out by now, this, this morning I'm going to speak to you about preparation. By being prepared, by preparing things in your life, I'm going to read something to you by John Maxwell. What happens when you don't prepare? Things you hoped wouldn't happen do happen. They occur, when greater, they occur with greater frequency than, you, than the things you hoped would happen. The reason is simple. Being unprepared puts you, in, puts you out of position. I'm going to stop there. Being prepared puts you out of position. I know there's something on TV, and some of your minds are already went there. There's some women who have babies and don't know they're pregnant. Okay, I know that, and I don't understand it, but whatever. 
there are a few cases, but most of the time, you women always know when you're pregnant and you're preparing for it. And you have all these envisions and things in your minds. But every one of us have something in our future that we have to prepare for. And it turns out, if you, let me ask you, and I don't want you to comment, but how many of you ever have bad things happen or things you don't expect? Don't tell on yourself. How many of you have things happen that you don't expect? Let's just, what we all do. We all have these things that happen sometimes, we're unaware. But I wonder if we would not eliminate a lot of those. We began to set a, a set of pattern down in our life, and we began to prepare for things in our future. I'm going to finish reading. Ask negotiators what happens at the bargaining table when they are out of position. Ask athletes what happens when they are out of position. Yesterday we were in Springfield and went to a meeting at James River and, and all that, was whatever. But on the way back, uh, maybe on the way there, no, I was on the way back, Nick began to talk about how fortunate he was to pick some player on his fantasy football. Now, you want my opinion? You don't want my opinion. Okay. But who was the receiver you picked? Antonio Brown. How many knows him? He's been a problem child from the beginning. I was told. I don't know him. But he picked him up on his fantasy football league or something. Whatever. I don't know how stuff works because I know what, you know, you know what it is. You know, it's really just fantasy. It's for people who can't really play. It doesn't matter. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Let me get back to my point. If you know anything about sports, you get a person out of position, they allow their opponent to get in the position they were supposed to be in to take advantage of them. If you play basketball and you've got a wing player and a couple of them, and this guy breaks out to the wing, he cuts the back door and throws a pass back door to him, he beats his man, he gets a little layup, you know, chip shot, chip, be easy to score. Uh, you get baseball, you got in baseball, you got out in, in right field, and let's say that he had, they have a weak batter, batter going up the bat, so they pull him in almost to a rover. And for some reason, he takes a, a deep swing and he swings it over his head. What happens? The inevitable, more runs score in football. I don't know much about football. Neither does Nick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ask the athletes when they're out of position. They lose. Preparation positions people correctly. It is often, how about in a church? Exact same thing happens. You get a person out of position, it ruins everything. You get people in the right position, it begins to work with every, everything in them. They, they, they have a a knack for it. They have an ability for it. They can see things before other people see things. Preparation positions people correctly and is often the separation between winning and losing. Talent plus, oh, let me stop here. I'm, I'm on a sports kick. Whenever there was a guy that, that Aaron Tilly's badly deceived on, but his name is, uh, what's that, what's his name? What's his name? He used to play up at, uh, in Cleveland. He won't comment. It's LeBron James. And LeBron James, you know, everybody wants to be a Michael Jordan, but they're not. They're just not. But LeBron James goes to St. The Cleveland, and they think, wow, we got him. We got LeBron. And so instantly they had LeBron. They started looking for other people to come and help support LeBron. Just because somebody's good in position doesn't mean they're the best person for the position. 
A lot of times, a lot of people never develop the skills they have and the abilities they have to lead because they're not put in a position for that. All is well that ends well. I can take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings in chapter 3. Prepared. God may bring the opportunity, but it is you and how you prepare for your opportunity. We're going to go to chapter 3 of 1 Kings, and we're talking a little bit about Solomon. We know that Solomon had his errors. He, as he got older, he began to get into a lot of trouble and had a lot of compromise and things. But there's something about God speaking to him at a young age. 2 Kings, 1 Kings, same thing. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Kings. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God asked, what shall I give thee? And Solomon said, thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in the brightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him with great kindness Thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child, and I know not how to come in or go out. And thy servant is in the midst of the people, which thou hast chosen a great number, and cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart that thy, to judge thy people, that I can discern between good and evil, good and bad. For who is able to judge this so great a people? Something about Solomon, something about his request so ring true with the Lord. But everything that he spoke back to God was about preparation for the future. How old was he? He was probably 12 years old, something like that. He was put into a place and position of a of, uh, of authority and overseeing the millions of people and, and making judgments that, that they would all have to live with. And he knew that his decision-making had to be improved upon because he was such a child. So he asked God for understanding. I'd say probably almost every one of us when we come up to the altars, it's rare that we ever pray for understanding. It's rare that we ever pray for, for wisdom or for or some kind of insight that only God can give. It's rare that we pray for that. We pray for everything else, but we rarely pray for that. He was young and experienced. He needed divine counsel. Why did he need divine counsel? I'll tell you another reason he needed divine counsel, because his father was gone. And so when his father left, and, and I know my, myself that in times you just like to talk to your mom or your dad, especially my dad right now because my mom is still alive. But there were so many times I would like to just sit and just, just talk to him. Just, just ask him what he thought, his opinion on stuff. Because there was great wisdom in, in, in his eyes and in David's eyes as well. But there was something different about Solomon. He had, to have this, he had to have an anointing. He had to have a special touch upon him. God put him in a place of great leadership. Go down to verse 11. 
And God said, because thou hast asked this and hast not asked for thyself long life, and neither asked for thyself riches, but asked for, thy, asked for the life of thine enemy, or asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern. Behold, I have done according to thy words. And it would have been great right there. But God goes on a little bit farther. I have given thee a wise understanding heart, so there was none like thee before, and neither will after thee shall rise like unto thee. And I, I also give that which was that is not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like unto you unto all these days. I want to stop and I want to talk a whole lot more about this. But there was different, there was something different about Solomon. He was wise in his, his own ability or God's ability in him. But God gave him something that was unique. And I think about us sometimes. Well, if we will ask God for, if we prepare right and we ask God for the right direction, he doesn't just give us the ability to, to handle the situation. He gives us above and beyond. And I really think, I really believe with my heart that many of us don't receive any more because we don't prepare it to receive anymore. We don't do anything in preparation of that. All we want is we come to the altar, we pour our heart out, we want a change, we want a miracle, we want something big from God, but we haven't done anything the last six months to prepare for this change. We want something instantaneous. But it takes a while for, for a heart to get right and, and for things to begin to happen in, in your family, in your situation. Prepare, preparation it is so huge in the eyes of God because it's preparing for something you haven't seen it yet. Preparation. Uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now. Um, how many guys do we have that graduated from John 316 in here? I know we got some. I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up as you graduated 316. Yeah. Hey. We, we have anyone who graduated from 317 from the ladies in here? One. You didn't make it, you can sit down, you didn't make it without preparation. You went into those places maybe thinking some variety of things, but the way you made it through the program and you come out of the program is your mind had to get into a mindset that you were prepared for whatever happened. Whatever happened, I prepared. But something else you had to prepare for. Maybe John 3.16, John 3.17 is a challenge in itself, but you had to you had to really prepare your heart and your mind for when you got out. Because the true test was after you got out. When you're in there and you're in the confines of this, this ministry and it has a lot of regulations and, and things, I, I understand that. But afterwards, have you been preparing your heart for greater things since? Some of you just recently got saved. Maybe you've been saved for six months. How much preparation do we put into our life and into this spiritual man for the future. It's something that has to be. Let's go to uh, second, First Samuel. First, again, First Samuel 17. And let me say this to you, John 3, 17, John 3, 16. Let me say to everybody in here. There was a deeper and a greater purpose for your life, regardless if you never found it. Regardless if, 
If you squandered and you waited till you're 40 years old to give your heart to the Lord or, or 50 years old or 20 years old or whatever it is, when you were born, there was never in your DNA addiction built in. Regardless of what we fell into and regardless how we prepared, how we prepared ourselves for lack of preparation, you were not designed to ever be an addict. You're not designed ever to be an alcoholic. You're not designed for a variety of things. Do we many times just absorb upon ourselves because our friends or people that we know are? Or maybe even our family or generations before us had those things. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We have King David, who was the father of Solomon. Man, at a young age, God made, uh, anointed him to be king, and, and uh, he was on his way, he thought, or everybody else thought anyway. As a matter of fact, it created a little bit of jealousy within his brothers, and his brothers rolled their eyes when David would come around. And, and, uh, because let me show you this. I want first se- chapter 17 and verse, uh, verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why camest down here? And with whom have you left those few little sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of heart. For thou art come down that thou mayest see the battle. Well, first of all, there was no battle going on. There was a big Goliath out there yelling and taunting and saying a variety of things. But David dealt with him before. Let me tell you, you may be here. There may be some people saying some negative things about you. Let me tell you David's response. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, he blew him off. He was trying to interrupt something that was, David was going to do, and, and David was prepared. You know, how do you prepare to fight a giant? How do you prepare? You don't do, do you do more, more push-ups, a few more arm curls, uh, get in front of a mirror and do a few more of these, and you flex your stomach and send me, well, you used to flex your stomach. Some of you still can you do a few things to prepare and, and get yourself ready to fight this giant. He didn't do anything extraordinary. He just lived a consistent life and he walked in favor of God. Let me tell you what happened. Let's go a little bit farther. He didn't get discouraged when his brethren and his family began to say things to him in a derogatory word. Uh, let me read my notes. He could have left in discouragement. Eliab had done this before, but David had learned better. He had learned and he had lived a prepared life and he was young. Verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth and he a man of war. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept the, the, now here's the preparation. Here's the preparation. Every time there's something big came in life, he handled it. He dealt with it. He said, the first time, I was keeping my father's sheep, and there came a lion. And I stuck it down, and I killed it. He, was, he never dreamed he was being prepared for a war against Goliath. 
But could you imagine? And then the next time, he said a bear come and tried to take one of the sheep too. And I took him by the mane and I killed him. There was something about this preparation. And then he comes up to, to Goliath. If, if he had not been in preparation, if he had not fought the lion and fought the, the bear, and before he ever fought them, if he hadn't learned how to fight with his brothers and deal with his brothers, he would have heard every word that was said by Goliath, and he would have ran the other way. It's preparation. It's preparation. How many times do you think the, the life of David has been shared in pulpits across their country for the past hundred years? Millions of times. Never would he have thought that one man's decision to prepare and each of these things would have such an impact. Let's bring it down to me and you. Do we ever think that what we do is preparation about our future, about the influence it will have upon those in our family, or even in our own life? I look at Solomon. His preparation is what brought him into greatness. His lack of preparation would have been his defeat. David's preparation brought him into the the presence of Goliath. David learned to be prepared regardless of what or who he faced. He wasn't easily swayed, discouraged, or made to quit. The actions of, some, the actions of someone who had spent his time preparing. I, I, I don't know. When I was in a... When I was in high school, I'd go work at our my dad's parts store, and it was made out of concrete, concrete walls were around it. Well, certain days it'd get slow. I knew the times it was slow, and I'd, I'd take a softball, and, or a baseball or softball, and I'd go out in the back, and, and I would throw against the wall. I, I literally done this, I can't tell you how many thousands of times I threw a ball against the wall. And some of you are saying, what's the purpose? Well, I threw a ball, and it bounced back real good off that concrete. If I wanted quick uh, hops, I got close to the wall. The farther I got, I learned to play different hops. And I learned to do a lot. Really, I knew you're really interested in this, but still, it was in preparation. For what? I don't know. I don't know. But I was preparing for when I did play. Finally, I ended up playing some, uh, when I got older, you know, you know, with the guys, when we get older, we start playing softball. I'm going for the hush. Okay. Uh, about preparation is what it was, and I spent a lot of time doing it. Um, go to John chapter 6. I'm going I'm I'm to tell you four quotes real quick about preparation. Let me ask you, how many of you uh, have a system you do in the morning when you get up? I started, this is how I started to come to church. I started coming to church, no shirt, no, no, I'm sorry, no jacket. I started coming to church with uh, an old pair of pants that were just ratted and just mass nasty and, and just nasty old shoes and, and a, a shirt that was just all gummed up and no jacket. And I was going to come to church and I was going to stand like that and my, my wife was going to go, oh my goodness, she's probably going to think a lot of things. But that's how I was going to come to church totally unprepared in the outward, but prepared in the inward. We go through things every day that we think they're important, like, like 
getting up and brushing your teeth, extremely important. Combing your hair, extremely important. Uh, taking a shower at night or morning, whatever. But, but staying clean is important. Uh, all these things are, are extremely important. But preparation, you may not think about it, it becomes natural. And that's the thing about preparation. Preparation allows you. Preparation allows you to tap into your talents. Preparation is a process. It is not an event. Preparation is a process. It's not an event. Yesterday, we went to an event. We went to an event of a church of how many thousands? Or go to James River. 20,000 people approximately go to, their, go to their services. And yesterday there was about, oh, it was probably 11, 1,200 people. And this is just their leaders. They're having a conference for just their leaders. And I walked in there, and we all walked in there, and they were all, the, the services going on and things because we were late because Kyle was slept late and he got a bed. We had to get, it doesn't matter. We finally got him up. And he, uh, anyway. uh, but we walked in there. There was a lot of people, a lot of stuff going on. It was an event, but yet they were prepared. There's a lot of things we prepare for. We say, well, just, just, just an event thing, or this walk with the Lord, this, this relationship with Jesus is not just an event. This is not just something we do for everybody to see. Now, let me stop here for just a second. Everyone that is here, everything that we do, we have, a, we have about 35 or so that meet in a room before we come out here and, and we pray and, and we go over to the service and, and just to organize and to make sure we know what, what each other's doing. And we do everything within our power to do the best we can do. That's all we're supposed to do, but it is preparation. Preparation, we, what was the first one I read? Preparation allows you to, to tap into your talent. Preparation is a process, not, a, not an event. Preparation precedes opportunity. I really want to stress that. Preparation exceeds, precedes opportunity. And the last one is preparation for tomorrow begins today. It begins today. Things that we got going on, things that we don't. If you have a... uh, let me go to the scripture. John chapter 6. And verse 5. Verse 6, sorry. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that we may eat, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. that everyone may eat a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And you know what? That was all that Christ needed to hear. 
He probably already knew it. The next verse says, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Let me touch on this in just a minute. There's a lot of things we think we do that is insignificant and not really a big deal. There's a whole lot of things. We think they get up and listen to preaching or, or getting up and praying and getting up and reading a, a, a devotion on our phone or our Bible or whatever it is. We think that's really not a big deal to us. But we are pre- preparing for what comes next. That little boy, when he went there to hear Jesus teach today, he wasn't thinking his, his little bag of lunch was going to be a, a, a meal for everybody. Who was he expecting to feed? Himself. But how many times it, it wasn't significant? It was his lunch. What impact does all these, what impact did that lunch make on all those people? What impact did that little thing that he done make upon the people? Now they ate and they forgot about him. But here we are again, a couple thousand years later. We're talking about the faithfulness of God whenever we are just obedient. Every part of our lives deserves preparation. Doesn't it? My wife and I, we had, uh, we had the two girls, and we took them to uh, school this week, London and Maisie. And then when about the time we were leave to take them, we had two more brought to our house, and it was Walker and Layla. And um, let me tell you, Walker and Layla, they'll challenge you, especially Walker. And, uh, but there was one thing that we were very fortunate, we were very glad that was in the diaper bag. Formula for the baby, Layla, and enough diapers for Walker. Want me to leave it alone? Okay, I won't say any more. Every part of our lives deserves preparation. Our parenting, our relationship with God, our job, our activities, our relationship with others, and our future living deserves, deserves preparation. Worship team, I'd like you to come back. What is doing and will do, God is doing and will do a great work in our lives. He wants a heart that's prepared way before it ever comes. I'm going to go to a a story in the book of Daniel. You probably already know where we're at, but we're going to go there anyway. Daniel chapter 3. There's a, a big decision some teenagers had to make. They had just been taken captive to a foreign country. They were, they were turned into eunuchs. They were, um, they were royal blood. They are higher tier blood, of, I guess you say, of the community of, of, of Israel. Chapter 3, verse 16. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now you may wonder why I'm, I'm bringing that to the closing because a big decision was made by three teenagers. How did, they, how did they get to this big decision? How did they get there? Out of desperation, possibly? By, by circumstances beyond their control, they, were, they went there? Where did they get such conviction? 
How did they become that determined? How, how can anybody, if they knew they're going to be burnt to death, still do what they were doing? You see, they made a decision. They made a decision. They told the king, well, now bow down. You may have heard this before. They didn't make the decision right then. They made it a long time ago. When they were captives and they were brought there, they made a decision to say, Faithful to their God. And the same way with us. We make a, a decision to be faithful and we make preparation. And that way, then the road is not near as hard to face a lot of things that we face. A lot of things we don't anticipate because we've made a decision a long time ago how we're going to be, how I'm going to live, what I'm going to be like, who I'm going to run with, how I'm going to treat my husband, how I'm going to treat my wife. Make a decision a long time ago. You go through times that's kind of rocky. Maybe you go through times that isn't so, isn't so easy. But it's all preparation. It's all preparation. The way you think, the way you treat, the way you behave yourself as a, as a person is all preparation. I'd like you to stand if you would.